Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Cody Carbon, entrepreneur, crypto strategist, and fitness enthusiast. Welcome to the show, Cory. Thank you for having me, Ajay. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. So welcome to the show. Welcome to India. And I'm sure not just in India, but a lot of people across the world will be benefiting from the discussion that we are about to have. Because all the topics that we are talking about, uh, either investing, crypto, crypto investing, as well as, you know, the, the importance of fitness, we'll be talking about. So, uh, Corey, to understand from you first, your goal is to build the most sophisticated and best performing crypto hedge fund in the world. Do you still that is correct. In, the state of, in the state of uh, crypto, the state of crypto that is at the moment, do you still have that thing in mind? And how, uh, how does it look like? How does this whole space of crypto investing looks like? Well, the, the, the important thing is when you look at crypto, uh, we are in what's called a, a crypto winter right now. And crypto is bigger than it's ever been. So it's more dramatic, this dip that we're seeing, than it's ever been. However, this has happened rinse and repeat every four years, every cycle since 2008. So the, uh, and, and, and this is driven primarily by something called the halving which is an event that happens every four years in the Bitcoin blockchain. What that means is the rewards that Bitcoin miners receive for solving an algorithm that connects one block of transactions to a new block of transactions is then cut in half. This causes a deflationary monetary policy, which uh, actually creates something called supply suffocation. And every listener and anybody that watches this is probably aware of very simple supply and demand economics. The more demand there is for a product or service and the less supply, eventually the price of that service or product is going to go up. So every four years, starting in 2012, the rewards that a miner received was cut in half. And that happened in 2012, 2016, 2020, and it's set again to happen in 2024. Now, after that cycle, about 12 months after the having, you see a huge bull run because of the supply suffocation. Now, just because of human emotions and people wanting to take profits, after that bull run, you see a significant dip in the market. So, and that's what we're experiencing right now. So I always tell people, you want to zoom out. You don't want to look at the last six months. You don't want to look at the last year. You want to look at the last five to 10 year horizon because Bitcoin has not skipped a beat. It's audited every 10 minutes because of the validators and the miners. It has never had a transaction that has been misverified in the last 10 years, and it's never been hacked. So Bitcoin's not on trial. Bitcoin is running just as smooth as it ever has. The transaction power is extremely high. The, the, the state of crypto is in fear mode right now, primarily because of the crypto winner and because of mass media allegations. Now, that isn't to say that certain exchanges and certain bad actors like FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried haven't messed up the ecosystem by doing bad business, but that's them. That has nothing to do with crypto. Just like cash worldwide 
there's a lot of illegal activities that people use for cash or the internet. People aren't looking to ban the internet. People aren't looking to ban cash, but all of a sudden they're really worried about crypto. The only thing is with crypto, it's the only digital currency in the world that's completely transparent and can be tracked on a blockchain anywhere. So we are looking at long-term viability. And another thing that we do is we've incorporated artificial intelligence, high-frequency trading to hedge our bets against these volatile market times without the need of using leverage or having to do options or derivatives. So that's one of the things that a lot of hedge funds struggle with is they try to take tradi traditional finance models and they try to copy that in Web3 and crypto and they wonder why it doesn't work out for them. So it's too volatile to put options, calls, puts and derivatives because then you're gonna end up being over leveraged and liquidated. So anybody that does that, typically it's the kiss of death for them. We've stayed away from that. We use cutting edge intelligence and we just do smart investing because I'm from Nebraska. And if anybody is familiar with Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha, my entire investment thesis has been based on his philosophy and his strategies, which is ironic that I'm in crypto now, considering I came from the school of Warren Buffett. But I look at Warren Buffett's approach as a logical and reasonable approach to investing. I don't expect him to understand technology when he can't even operate an iPhone. So why would I ask him his opinions on blockchain, blockchain technology? Absolutely. Absolutely. You talked about crypto winter. The only uh, good thing here I can see, uh, uh, Corey, is that, you know, some months before December, before uh, AI, uh, chat GPT got launched, there was this talk of AI winter and that chat GPT came in and you hold, the whole game changed. And then there is, there is talk of so much investment into AI and, you know, from everywhere and the whole world has changed. All the talk is centered around. I hope uh, with seeing your hope on Bitcoin and crypto, it, it is the same story. But as, as for me, from a general person's perspective, is that uh, will the crypto world be just focused around Bitcoin and, 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 and your potential, say, maybe probable hedge fund, will that only be focusing around Bitcoins? Will that work that way? Or is it that there is more needs to be done and, and, and talked about beyond Sam Bankman and other uh, other things that he, that has happened because it's about trust. How do you get back the trust? So as of now, while we talk about crypto investing, should we separate investing as a something different and crypto and crypto investing as something different? One way, one pe people may have to look at that way, especially those people who have put their hard-earned money into this particular sector. As of now, I am still trying to understand what this sector is about, whether it is uh, whether it is in ICU, whether it is it is recovering, or whether it is just you know uh, there is no hope left. Well, the that's the funny thing is if you look at every dip that's happened after each halving, this is the least volatile dip that we've had since Bitcoin's inception. Um, and, and so that for for crypto investors, they're they're thankful. You know, for regular investors, they're worried. They're like, oh my gosh, it's dropped from 70,000 to 20,000 to 30,000. It's crazy. But that's actually really insignificant in comparison to what it's done in the past. So I'm very confident in where it's going in the future. Now, in terms of Bitcoin itself, you know, 90, I will say this. And for anybody advocating that there's a lot of bad crypto out there, there is. And I have no argument on that whatsoever. In fact, 99% of cryptocurrency projects are complete garbage. So what you want to do 
is you always want to educate yourself as to what the viable projects are. Are they built on a solid uh, foundation? Are they truly decentralized? Do they have developers working on it, et cetera, et cetera. Bitcoin, it's very simple. All it is, it's, a, it's the world's best store of value. It is a sound monetary system minus the volatility in the short term. And it's a blockchain and a security feature that has never been hacked. You know, it, it's, it's going to have a long lasting effect as long as the internet exists. But, you know, it's for storing wealth, transporting mass amounts of wealth worldwide and internationally without the need of the IMF or the World Bank saying, yes, you can, yes, you can't. Uh, and then you go on to Ethereum, which is more of a general purpose blockchain. And that's where there's more everyday uses you know, in terms of tracking the logistics of products being shipped and sent all over the world, you know, maybe blockchain gaming applications. There's a lot of different uses that really can help into the Ethereum ecosystem. And then, of course, as technology increases, you know, everybody's looking to do things better, faster, cheaper. So that's where third generation blockchain comes in, which is some of the newer projects. However, none of the newer projects have really shown that they can be as solid and stable as the Bitcoin and Ethereum. But there are some, very few, that have promise for the future. So, you know, our fund, you know, we, we, we go long on Bitcoin. We go long on Ethereum. We know when to get in. We know when to get out. We know what our risk tolerance is. And then for our AI trading, it's just like day trading or it's just like Forex trading. We use artificial intelligence to place limit orders. And we're taking profits off of microtransactions without using any leverage. So we want to be able to provide market stability in that space in the short term, along with steady gains, while also benefiting from long-term holdings as well. So we just, we know what our cost basis is. We know when to get out, we know when to get in, we know how to protect profits, uh, you know? So we, so we take a conservative approach to that matter. You know, we don't wanna go all in on a bull run and get 200% gains only to lose 90% of it the next year. That doesn't make sense. So it makes better sense to be a little more conservative and steady in the long run. Now. In terms of the SBFs and everything like that, I would say one of the things I'm hoping for is, you know, I'm looking for a little regulatory clarity. That's what I'm looking for. You know, I want there to be some agreeance with Congress, with the Senate as to what they should do and how they should view cryptocurrency. You know, uh, the only thing is that's just Congress is run by a bunch of idiots. You know, I, I hate to say they're a bunch of dumbass old white guys that don't know shit. Pardon my French. And what they want to do is they want to try to regulate an industry they don't have any clue of how it works. So what I'm hoping is you, you hear rumors right now of BlackRock and you hear rumors of some, you know, Vanguard applying for ETFs and they basically control the world, multi-trillion dollar uh, industries. So what I'm hoping is for regulatory clarity that there are individuals that actually can understand and appreciate it. And as the world is progressing, more politicians are coming forward that actually do understand and appreciate the importance of Bitcoin and what it could potentially do to provide transparency worldwide. What you want to stay away from is any politician that ever favors a central bank digital currency. That's just going to create, create a socialistic communist environment where they can control where your spending goes, where you can, what you can do. You want to stay away from that. That defeats the entire pur purpose of uh, digital currencies and crypto. But, you know, you look at uh, Francis Suarez, who is the mayor of Miami. And this is a gentleman that has taken Miami and he took it from 6,000 homeless people down to 600 in, in his term. He put the Bitcoin white paper 
on the mayor's website, on the government website. And he also encouraged innovation. He encouraged people to come into Miami. And last year, Miami had over 25,000 new jobs enter the city and has had the lowest unemployment that it has in ever since the, since the consensus actually started. So he's encouraging and he's now running for president and he's a Bitcoiner. You know, you have uh, Senator uh, Cynthia Loomis in Wyoming. She is a Bitcoiner too. She speaks at the conference. So as these people are becoming more aware, it's being talked about more and more. And it's funny that the, the you know, Larry Fink for BlackRock, he just said three days ago that Bitcoin is digital gold. And what he says essentially goes. So you're seeing more clarity. And this is my conspiracy theorist uh, uh, theory is, you know, all this fear that is entering the market essentially they're doing that so people like you and me sell so they can come in and they can buy everything up and they buy it at a cheap cost basis and all of a sudden it's the best thing the size spread is all the retail investors pile in it shoots up the price and they're set with a lot of profits so i tend to when everybody else is fearful and this is a warren buffett quote too you know, when everybody else is fearful, that's time to be greedy. When everybody else is greedy, that's time to be fearful. So I take that same approach with crypto. We're just gobbling up assets as much as we can while the market's low. And we're hedging our bets by using artificial intelligence while also at the same time, you know, kind of hoping for some regulatory clarity as well as staying away from bad actors. You know, we work with Coinbase Pro, publicly traded company. We work with Kraken. These are individuals and companies that are very reputable have a good track record and have worked with the SEC, not Coinbase right now, uh, to make sure that they're not being sought after. So it's uh, you just want to do your own research. You don't want to treat it like a, a lottery ticket. You don't want to treat it like a slot machine. You definitely want to do it smart. Know what your risk tolerance is. So if you're you know a little bit older, you know I'm 41. You now I still consider myself young, but if you're a little bit older, you don't want to allocate 50% of your portfolio to crypto. Because if there's a 80% downturn in the market, you've lost literally 60% of your wealth. So you don't want to take risks like that. So there's no such thing as risky. It's just risk tolerance. So if you allot 5% of your portfolio to crypto and it goes down 50%, you've only lost a couple percentage points. That's not a big deal. But at the same time, if you experience a 10x return on that 5% of your portfolio, that can make a very significant impact of the overall performance of your investment portfolio. So you just have to decide what your goals are, what your risk tolerance is, how much you wanna allocate towards a certain asset class, and then structure your portfolio that way. For somebody that's younger, you can do a little more because you have more time to recover. And if you're smart and know how to take profits, you can do so as well. For somebody that's a little older, you might want to balance that risk tolerance yourself and see what works for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. What I can understand is I don't have any investment either in stock shares or forget about the crypto part. But what I understand is with the, the state of market that crypto is, is it's not for the weak of the heart. And that is where the fitness part comes in. We will talk about fitness. But in terms of your investing, you were you were into uh, investing in the uh, financial services industry, working and investing into that line. And then you went into the insurance uh, you had an insurance agency and then mm -hmm. uh, you uh, you came down to crypto investing so what was it that brought you into crypto investing and it's nice to see that you have uh, you have such positive uh, understanding of this whole thing i hope uh, it actually turns out that way but a bit of understanding is it was it about was it about the greed for more money or was it about that you really sought 
thought that it's a it's a great place to invest and, and, anyway, and make there's three stages curiosity number one um i stayed away with crypto for years just because of warren buffett that's it and just because of the bad press i saw in the media um you know but i you know i'm the type of person that if you know if somebody says something about somebody I don't believe them. I want to go straight to the source. So, you know, I, I couldn't, I just couldn't in good heart stay away. I was just too curious. So my curiosity got me to look at it. The initial thing that drew me to Bitcoin was greed, 100%. And I'll be completely honest about that. I saw the supply and the demand. I saw how the Bitcoin having cycles worked. And to me, it was a no brainer as an investment vehicle over the long term. That's what initially pulled me in, curiosity and greed. What kept me there is a chance to start over. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie Fight Club. At the very end, Tyler Durden blows up all these buildings in Miami where everybody can reset. Nobody's in debt anymore. Um, you know, I'm not saying that that's a good thing, but I saw Bitcoin as a way to level the playing field in a global financial system that is unfairly advantaged to a small group of people because it's transparent, uh, because it's open source, and because it's decentralized. So I, thought, I saw it as a fair system as to be able to provide a foundation for the future. And then when I started learning more about macroeconomics, how money printing works, how inflation works, and how all this inner workings of the government is just rigged um, and leveraged, it just made sense to me. And I started to believe in the cause more so than the investment. And once I started believing in the cause more so the investment, then I made it my mission to share it with as many people as possible. So I went from multiple stages, just like a lot of people do, you know, and I started off in insurance. So I learned the financial markets very well, learned how index fund variable universal life policies work. Uh, and, and that's kind of the, where the foundation that and warm up, it was the foundation of my financial career. And then, you know, I got burnt out. I got into fitness, did very well. Um, at the end of my fitness career, I ran four gold's gyms in Southern California. And, you know, had a lot of employees, tens of thousands of members that I managed. And, uh, you know, it, it uh, provided me a different perspective. So I teach now. So I have, I have two businesses. I'm a, I'm a founder, CEO, co-CEO of my hedge fund. It's the Pivotal Point Capital. It's registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. And uh, this is for people, like you mentioned earlier, with soft stomachs. Somebody that doesn't want to do it on their own because they don't know when to buy, they don't know when to sell, they don't know when to get out. So they just hand over the money to the Pivotal Point Capital Investment Fund. And it's actually called Pivotal Point Capital Partners. And we go ahead and invest on their behalf. And then they don't have to worry about it. They get statements, annual reports, et cetera. And then I have my coaching company, which is the Mamba approach. And that's where I teach people how to invest and build a seven-figure crypto portfolio on their own. Now, with the Mamba approach, I was teaching a lot of people strategies, but some were staying with it, some weren't. And I noticed the people that stayed with it were the people that were already doing well prior to entering the, 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 the program. So these are generally people that are already fit, had successful businesses, and had financial discipline. The other people, they didn't. So I was like, what is the missing link here? So that's where I took all my fitness knowledge, all my investing knowledge. I wanted to merge them together. And I'm actually writing a book right now that's coming out in August. Keep your eye out for it. And it's an entire book. It's a playbook of these two strategies. Half of the book is personal development. Half of the book is actual crypto strategy, as well as the history of money, macroeconomics, et cetera. However, if I can teach somebody how to create discipline in their life, through exercise, because 
exercising is the best drug a human being can take. It releases endorphins. Endorphins are the reward center for doing something good. You know, it's, uh, it releases endorphins, uh, dopamine. It uh, releases epinephrine, that adrenaline rush. You know, you have oxy, uh, uh, um, oxy, um, not oxytocin. Oxy, yeah, oxytocin, you know, and it has all these, all these chemicals that just come to your body. And when you feel good, you make good decisions. You do things better. And it's not just about doing one workout and saying, I feel good. It's about consistently sticking with it every single day, following a macro uh, nutrient diet. So you not only perform good where you work out, but you can see changes in your body. And then also putting you on a mindset program daily accountability. So if we can do this and provide a foundation of consistency, and then we show them how to invest successfully through asset allocation, you know, dollar cost averaging, how to structure their portfolio, they're more likely to stay with that for the long term. So the, uh, you know, I have a group plan where people just uh, get a crypto self-study course where I send it to them. And then we have group calls every single Sunday where we go over Q&A for everybody. And then I have an elite plan which is for people that want that one-on-one -on -one touch. And that's when we get into artificial intelligence, high-frequency trading, and more in-depth portfolio construction, as well as personal branding, business building, entrepreneurship. Right, right, Corey. You see, a lot of people, when they are talking about money, about living their life, about investing, or even when they are doing their job, they forget about fitness. I am also to be blamed. So, but people who are investing... And, and looking that, okay, they, there will be a day when I will become rich. And then from then, I will start my fitness regimen and everything else. They just procrastinate. How do you like, what would you like to tell them uh, not to miss out on the fitness part of it? How fitness played a role in your businesses that you did? Well, there's two reasons. One, you're not living in alignment. You're just lying to yourself. Uh, 100%. And nobody could convince me otherwise. So if you, you know, people say they're disciplined and people say that, you know, I have crazy work ethic and then, you know, they work hard, then they go home and sit on the couch. You're lazy. You know, just because you're working hard for eight hours at your job doesn't mean you're a hard worker. That means you just have to do it. And if you're not living in alignment with all areas, you don't have the right to tell anybody anything. I don't care. So you have to be fit. You have to be have good relationships. You have to have good discipline in your finances. You have to have good, you have to have everything. Then you can operate in what's your highest frequency, your highest level of consciousness. So when I speak to people, I speak with conviction because I am living in every aspect of my life to the best of my ability. So, you know, there's a lot of people like, and if this was the case, every single person that learned how to invest would be a multimillionaire. The fact of the matter is, is they aren't because they lack discipline and alignment in all areas of their life. Every person that goes to the gym and gets a six pack, you would see them be multimillionaires too, because that discipline should carry over. The fact is, is they think one area is enough and it's not, it's both. So anybody that's a you know, very hard worker in business, I would say to them, just imagine if we institute one more positive trait into your regiment. And we could 10x your net worth in the next five years. Would that be worth it to you? Just imagine if you're single, if we could also have you not only be wealthy, but physically fit and feel good and attract the woman of your dreams or the man of your dreams. Is that something to be worth it to you? 
Okay. Would you like to live 10 to 15 years longer and actually enjoy the wealth that you're building? Would that be worth it to you? Then get your ass to the gym and get to work and let's live in alignment in all these areas because you are going to also have more conviction in anything that you do when you feel better about yourself. And I know buff guys. I mean, I, I, the people I've seen at the gym, Ajay, are monsters. Some of the biggest human beings you've ever seen in your life. And it's freaking crazy. Like these guys will come in and they're so insecure. Not all of them, but some of them. They're so insecure. They're, they weigh 260 pounds. They got 7% body fat. Then I see them crying in a corner because their girlfriend didn't call them back. I'm like, you were a pussy. Like that's you're, – you're just coming to the gym to mask your insecurities. And, you know, it's, it's funny because they would sometimes come in and talk bad about successful people that are out of shape. And they would talk bad about them because it made themselves feel better about themselves. But yet when I saw a wealthy person come in and saw somebody that's jacked, you know what they say? They're like, wow, what is he doing? Gosh, I wish I had a body like that. Congratulations. So there's a big disconnect. In fact, more wealthy people, they actually had the desire to look like a person that's in shape and more of the in-shape people, they resented the people that were wealthy. And you'll never become wealthy if you resent the wealthy because subconsciously you don't want to be resented yourself. So a lot of people that are in really good shape have a bigger hurdle to cross because they need to fix up here before they can actually fix their bank account. So right. we work on both spectrums. Right, Cody. So you see, you meet a lot of people, people who are uh, a bad, bad in bad shape, either in terms of finances or in terms of their fitness. You uh, talk to a lot of people, investment and all that. How do you uh, meet so many people from different uh, parts of life and, you know, and still be yourself and keep your yourself motivated all the time in spite of the setbacks that others may have, have for themselves, either in, in their investing life or in their personal life or in terms of fitness? What is it that keeps you motivated and not get derailed by seeing the difficult stories of others and how do you maintain that well the uh the most i'd say sound advice i ever received is it's it's not about how to do things it's about who and i remember the first time i did 75 hard which is this really intense um i don't even want to say fitness program it's like a mental toughness program where you do two workouts a day uh, you know you, you can look it up it's pretty fun pretty crazy but um you know my goal as you know, is to build a billion dollar hedge fund and to have the most successful Web3 blockchain based hedge fund in the world with my partner. And what I always ask myself is not how do I need to do it? It's who do I need to become in order to be able to receive this type of level of success? And one of the coaches that I currently work with, he was like, stop worrying about how to do things and worry about who. Who do you need to become? What type of person do you need to be? So what I try to do every single day is I try to live and I try to do what I need to do to better myself. And at first I did it because I wanted material things. I wanted a better life. I, 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 I. But the more you worry about I, the more you repel things. So now what I try to do is every day, you know, you can look on my Instagram and I practice what I teach. There is no hiding. I get up at 3.30 every morning. I get my coffee done at 3.45. By 4 a.m. I'm reading. I work for an hour or two. I mean, I've already done a workout today. I've already got two hours of work in. I've already had my breakfast. I've already done my meditating, my visualization, you know, and it's 830 here in California and I've gotten a lot done. 
And so I try to live by that code every single day, Saturdays and Sundays, I sleep until 4.30 in the morning, but it's not about me. It's about other people. So if I'm going to take care of my mother, you know, I, I've, I've had some unfortunate things that have happened lately in terms of health with my family members, my dog, uh, my grandmother. Um, I need to be the best version of myself at all times in order to be able to potentially help my family in the future. You know, I need to be the best version of myself for any person in the Mamba approach because they need an example to follow. So the second I break character is the second that I become selfish because I'm putting other people in jeopardy. So one of the things that motivates me, not if I want a Rolex or a Rolls Royce or a mansion, it's I want to help my family. I want to help my loved ones. And I have an example to set for people that are looking up to me. And that when you make it bigger than you, I think that that dwarfs any challenge that you're going through and puts the focus on somebody else. Just like an AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, the reason why people become sponsors is because if you're helping somebody else get sober, that is actually the best way to stay sober. And that's the same thing is if you want to help somebody else better themselves, you are bettering yourself at the same time. Absolutely. Bettering yourself at the same time by doing things for others. So, Corey, what is the best way? There is much to learn from you, either in terms of investing, in terms of fitness, in terms of uh, anything else related to even crypto investing. So what is the best way uh, people can connect with you for what all the things that you do? Absolutely. I, I am most active on Instagram. So it's uh, at cm.carbone and that's c-a-r-b-o-n-e so the uh if you go to cm.carbone you can follow me there and you know i you can interact with me you can see my stories and i'm you know very open my life's an open book and i you know i post all the time four to six times a day i'm posting on my story one to two times a day i'm posting on my wall um, you can follow me on YouTube. So my YouTube channel is at the Mamba approach and I post, uh, you know, a, an insights video every week along with short form videos, two other times a week. And then when I uh, have long form interviews, I'll post them on there as well. But, uh, yeah, that's a great way to connect with me, follow what I have to say, what my insights are. And then on Instagram is a great way to interact with me as well. And then of course, LinkedIn. And then uh, my LinkedIn website is, my apologies. No problem. I will add all yeah. these information on the show notes, in the show notes. Yeah, linkedin.com slash in slash Corey Carbone. Wonderful, wonderful. With, with all this information, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would like to connect with you and learn more from you. With this, it's I'll, a wrap on I'll this very it. special this is a very special edition, wrap of the very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. Thank you, Ajay. Pre